need to remember to pray for those that, that live there that are in the Carolinas and different places and surrounding areas that will be affected by the flooding. I think the hurricane kind of died as it got to land, but it still brought all the rain they expected. And so uh, I remember we know a lot of our friends in North Carolina were really affected by that the rain and things this last year. And so uh, that's a, that flood's devastating. It can just, it just ruins whatever it touches. So uh, let's be in prayer for them. Remember that. This morning, why don't we stand and lift our hands to the Lord and thank Him for all the blessings He's given us. Aren't you glad to be up and about and, and in the house of the Lord? Let's lift our voices to Him and just thank Him this morning. Oh, we praise You this morning, God. You are great and worthy of This morning, Lord, you're great. You can be seated this morning. I'll read. Um, we are. We did hand out, and if you didn't get one, uh, we do have some of the new books for the adult class. Uh, this lesson is a standalone lesson. It's not uh, one of the parts of the series of the book. So you'll find it at the end of your book that you have right there with you. I didn't want to start one of the series because we'll go into Regeneration Weekend this weekend. I'd have to break it up some, and I'd rather be able to teach it uh, back-to-back and not us lose any ground on it. But they do provide these extra lessons sometimes, and uh, it was I thought it was a very good one, something that would kind of fall in with where we left off out of our last uh, lesson about the gifts that God gives us and using them to be a blessing to others uh, that God gives us things he doesn't expect us to be spiritual hoarders you ever seen that TV show hoarders it's like unimaginable like the things that people they, they hoard it they hold on to it and until it becomes of no use and we can take things that were meant to bless and meant to help and encourage and lift up and, and promote the kingdom and we can just hoard them and hold on to them until they become of no use because they're just locked up tight we're hiding them and sitting all around them but there's no value to them anymore unless they're being used as wonderful as this word is and as powerful as it is and it's forever settled in heaven it does no good closed up shut up and never spoken Never prayed, never enforced, never enacted, never obeyed. Doesn't mean anything. It's just there. All that power that uh, and all the blessings that uh, that we miss. And God let Israel know from the beginning. My word is, uh, if you'll keep it and keep the things that I'm going to tell you, He said these blessings will overtake you. And so uh, when you will obey God's word and live by His word, there's always a blessing coming along with it. And so we, uh, and sometimes that blessing is not just what we get, it's what we get to give because we have equipped ourselves with things out of his word. In uh, the book of John, if you want to follow along this morning, John 17, and we're just going to read from uh, 13 to 21. Glad to see you, Brother Paul. Good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. John 17 and 13, and Jesus speaking to his disciples, and now come I to thee, or he's actually praying in the presence of his disciples and praying for his disciples, and now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil they are not of the world even as I am not of the world sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth as thou hast sent me into the world even so have I also sent them into the world 
And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. It's very important to remember that it's not just about you, it's about the one. Somebody ought to be hearing what you're saying about Jesus. In verse 21, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That they also may be one in us and that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And so today we're going to talk about the prayer of Jesus. Let's pray for the lesson this morning. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the instruction it gives us, for the benefits it provides. We thank you, Lord that it gives us and equips us so we can help others and we can promote your kingdom. Let our heart be good ground today to receive it so we can grow and we can be better. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord one more hand clap and a shout for his word this morning. Thankful for the word of God. So our lesson idea today is this. Because of what Jesus prayed for us as our high priest, we must pray those same things for others. In other words, we don't just hold on. uh, We don't just let Jesus simply do for us without us doing for others. Uh, Freely we have received, freely give. Well, we'll give what? You know, we and we start trying to list. But you can't. You can't list all the great things that he's given you. But you need to be ready to let somebody else know it's time for you to start your list. You know, we need to help people uh, get in touch with the Lord. We need to help them uh, find a place where they can walk with him and experience what we have experienced. It's amazing to me that people can come to the Lord, see the need to repent, be baptized in his name, experience the joy of having their sins washed away, be filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, just enjoying being born again and never tell anybody about that or never even suggest that they could have that, but just, I'm going to do me. Well, that philosophy don't fly when you work for the kingdom. You don't get to just do you. You better take care of you. But it's not just about you. Uh, A light shining. Something of influence. We are, uh, you know, the Bible says we're a royal priesthood. And uh, people needed the priest. Uh, When you study about the priest had a role to fulfill and to perform. And so the church today, saints of God, we have a role uh, that we need to perform uh, in this world today. When you think about uh, the context of this uh, time that Jesus is praying, many times we uh, think of his last set of prayers as just when he prayed in the garden and great drops of blood and he's in great distress and not my will but thy will. But this prayer right here before he ever got to the garden He had been with his disciples, and uh, it was a Passover celebration, but it was different, I'm sure, for these disciples than any other one that they'd ever experienced because this would be their last one with him. And so when you read the the scripture there, you, you realize that they're bickering among themselves, trying to figure out who's the greatest in the kingdom, who's going to be the big shot, and, you know, and, and, and you just know from experience that when you got somebody in a group acting like that, that everybody else kind of gets out of sorts. They don't, you know, now everybody's, nobody's talking to each other. Nobody's wanting to be friendly anymore. Everybody's like, mm-hmm. They think they better than everybody else, and everybody's upset. And I'm sure that even though they are his disciples, they're men. And I'm sure, and it, the Scripture even says that some of them got kind of put out with uh, these guys wanting to know who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom and different things like that. And, and so now they're in this room to eat, and they're not even doing the things that they normally should be doing. They should have already come in and washed each other's feet. That's tradition. They should have done that. 
But they're just going to sit there and eat the last Passover with smelly feet and just be mad, just mad chewing, just upset. What made it worse was that Jesus said, okay, I'm going to have to step in and show them how to act. And he grabs a towel and a bowl of water and he begins to wash the feet of these not-so-happy men. And he washes their feet and uh, even the feet of Judas, whom he knows is about to go and betray him. And, and so it becomes a night now that where common things have become holy. Jesus refers to the bread as his body and the wine as his blood and gives it for them to take. And they don't fully grasp the meaning of it. But, you know, Jesus is speaking to them and they don't really get it right now. But, um, you know, Jesus is trying to teach them because he knows I'm fixing to leave and I need you to act the way I need you to act. I need you to be able to do the things that I've called you to do. And, and so they're getting ready to head out to the Garden of Gethsemane. He begins to talk with them and he begins to pray. And this prayer uh, is probably as important as any prayer or blessing that he ever gave. Because he didn't just bless them and prophesy over them and talk about the things he wanted to see accomplished in them. He talked about those that would believe on him through their word. As he said in verse 20, I'm not just praying for these that have walked with me. But I'm praying for all the ones that will believe because of their word. In other words, that if I'm one of the disciples, maybe I don't catch it or hold on to it right then. But as I'm reflecting back on this prayer, evidently Jesus is expecting me to do something. Because somebody is going to need to believe because of what I say and what I preach and what I teach. And so... Uh, his prayer of blessing speaks to every one of us. All of us today are here because of that prayer. Right there. When you read that, you can go ahead and count that as it was passed down and echoed over thousands of years, that we fell into that prayer, the promise of that prayer. If Jesus speaks, it is coming to pass. Somebody's going to get it. And we could believe. And so somewhere, somehow, uh, you heard the words of somebody else that instilled faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And somebody did what Jesus wanted them to do. And now you sit in the house of God, baptized in his name, free from sin, filled with his spirit, because Jesus prayed. Oh, I love the prayers of Jesus. You know how Peter felt when Jesus said, but I have prayed for you that your faith failed not. When Peter was at his lowest, he never lost faith in Jesus. He lost faith in himself, maybe. Uh, he was uh, upset about the, the weakness of his own flesh. But he never lost his faith in Jesus. Because we find him 50-something days after he denies him, preaching the message that changes the world. Doing what Jesus wanted him to do. And 3,000 believed because of the words he said. Day of Pentecost, 3,000 people fell into the prayer of Jesus. The good thing is that now uh, we understand that uh, Jesus put this blessing on us that we should do the same thing to others. That there are words we can speak, not just in preaching but in prayer, that will affect other people's lives. Jesus said, the things I do, you shall do. Well, if he prayed blessings over his disciples, over his brethren, over those people that walked with him, then surely we should pray the same kind of prayers over our people, over our brothers and sisters, even over those that are lost, those that are not serving God, those that are in our workplace, in our school, in our city, in our government, in this world. Do you ever pray for anybody just... On the other side of the world, even though you don't know who they are? You ever just feel like, Lord, you know, I pray that a lot. Every church in this world, every one of your ministers, wherever they might be, I don't know them, but I start praying blessings over them because Jesus didn't name them. He said, I'm just praying for everyone. And so you just start praying. Do you know that you have power to just pray blessings into this world? 
to pray uh, things happening in this word. If you are sincere about it, God, I want you to bless those missionaries that somewhere you ever know a revival gets sparked or a missionary doesn't give up because you said, God, I want you to help your people and help your men, help your women, help the people that are serving you in these these huts and in these little thatch-roofed sanctuaries where it's flooding and it's hot and it's mosquitoes and snakes and we're sitting in the air conditioning. But we can be a blessing to people. When we think of praying for people, first and foremost, if I were to ask you what kind of blessings do you regularly pray for people, most of us right off the bat, number one would be healing. I'm sure that we pray for healing more than any other thing uh, after we come to God. Because we have people who are sick. We've got people in our congregations that are going through uh, not just cold and flu season. I'm talking about cancer. And so we pray healing and blessings on people. That's, that's probably number one what we do. But then we, you know, we pray for jobs. We pray, we pray all, for all kinds of things. But we're going to look at the prayer of Jesus and realize uh, five things that we really need to pray over people's lives. Because that's what he prayed over us. And you think about what kind of blessings... Have people prayed over your life? And then you could probably say, well, people prayed for me to be healed. But how many people have prayed for God to use you in ministry? To open your area of influence so that you can be a light shining. And have prayed for you to have strength or peace or other things that we really need. And uh, to be protected, to be taken care of. A pastor prays those kind of prayers all the time for his flock. God, keep them from the world. Keep them from the evil that's in the world. Keep them from things that would attack them and hurt them and cause them to stumble. And so you you pray blessings on people, but this is something that all of us can do. Jesus does not desire any of us to fail. And so he has put it in his word and prayed and let us know, I have prayed this, not just for these 12, but you've got to remember this blessing has transcended all the way down to us today. And we're here today because of that prayer. You say, well, I'm here because he died for my sins. Yeah, but he died for a lot of people's sins, and they, they hadn't went to him yet, come to him yet. But the opportunity is there because he has prayed, because you're not going to come unless you believe. He says, so I'm praying for all the ones that will believe because of somebody else's words. Prayer is a, a tough thing for people to get into sometimes. Uh, most of the time, prayer is only in time of need, time of trouble. We say we pray sometimes when often I think we just throw a few words up. It's just busy. We're, we're busy. It's life. I know. Hey, I, I know what it's like to be busy. And I know what it's like for your day to be completely gone and realize I have not knelt down and prayed. That's why prayer should be intentional, that you should uh, make it up in your mind. Hey, I don't want the day to get away, so get up early. Oh, and do away with that extra hour of sleep. That's tough, isn't it? Especially when you work all day or you got kids you're trying to wrangle and things like that. Hey, I understand. But if you want to make sure, you know, oftentimes we want to make sure that, all right, that I get my run in, so we'll get up early and run. Or... I want to make sure that uh, I get to stop and get my coffee on the way to work so I leave a little early. We, we, we make allowances of time for so many things. I need to get my workout. I got to get to the gym. I got I to work on this waist. I got to, I got to look good. You know, Regeneration weekend is coming up. I, got to, I, I don't know who all will be here. So I got to look good in that dress or I got to look good. So I got, you know, but... If we want to make sure that the opportunity to pray doesn't slip away and miss us, let's get up a little early. Or if we want to make sure the day doesn't get away where I haven't spent a little time in his word, get up a little early. Uh, Or, you know, on your drive to work, instead of listening to the news or the weather or your radio station, Get you you know, on your phone. Almost every phone works through your car now. But if if you're still listening to CDs, um, get you the Bible on CD. Pop it in there. Listen. You know what? If you if your drives ten minutes, uh, man, ten minutes of 
just the word or if it's 50, what if you got an hour drive? Man, you get a lot of scripture in in an hour. And so you could you know, play the whole Bible through in a year's time, riding the work like that, hour there, hour back, two hours of the word. There you, you know, it helped. Get it in there some way. So make time for it. But prayer is tough. Uh, but we have to pray. I don't, I don't believe we can really consider ourselves his children if we don't pray. I just I find it hard because it's, it's a connection. Uh, Jesus had to pray. He said, did he have to pray? He had to pray. I know who he was. He was God manifest in the flesh. He told them, I and my Father are one. I know who he was. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. I get that. But he was also human. Completely, fully human. He was not any different. He bled. If you hit him with something, it cut him and he bled. If you punched him, it bruised him and he bled. He, he knew. He suffered things. He felt the emotion of shame and, and, uh, and of sadness and weariness in his body. He was completely human. He ate. He slept. He was just like us in that aspect. He was completely man and he was completely God. He was truly a man. So he prayed. Uh, as a man, he had faith. He had faith in who he was. He had faith in who was in him. He knew uh, who his father was. And he said, I'm going to do the things that my father says and, and shows me to do. I'm going to do those works. He was a man among men. And he was praying for the salvation of every one of us. I'm thankful for the man Jesus Christ, I am thankful for him today. So uh, we see that he prayed. And so not only is prayer something that we can do, it is something that we must do. But I want to add on to that, that it's also something we get to do. You know, sometimes when you just say it's something I must do, then it becomes a chore. But I get to do this. I get to get down on my knees and, and go before the throne uh, and pray and ask for help in my time of need. I get to uh, go into prayer and lift my hands and feel the presence of the creator of all things. I get to spend time with God Almighty. I get to uh, pray in the spirit and build myself up and and something so wonderful that the Spirit of God takes over and prays for me. I get to do that. And if I want to be successful in living for God, I must do that. And, uh, and not only because of that, but Jesus expects us to do that. There's a lot of things on this earth that don't really have a choice. Plants and trees and animals, things that God created, they don't have, have a choice. We have a choice. And... Um, we get to choose uh, important things to do. And one of the most important things we can do is to live virtuously or to make right choices that please God. But uh, when you choose to live a virtuous life, it will be unsuccessful without prayer. You need prayer to help you live for God. If you've got the Holy Ghost, that's great. But if you never pray, you don't know how to be led by it. If you never pray, you never hear it speak to you. You need the Holy Ghost. So uh, we must do this. Jesus said, when you pray. So he expects us to pray. And if Jesus prayed, the servant is not greater than his master. We must pray also. And then start thinking of the benefits of prayer, communication with God, the refreshing you get. The, Jesus said, when you pray, uh, your father that sees you praying, in secret, will reward you openly. There are blessings and rewards that come through your prayer life. Maybe not just for you, but for somebody else. They may not even know you're praying for them, but then you see them, you know, you, you know somebody's going through a financial thing, and all of a sudden they post and got this new job, and they gave me a signing bonus of $8,000, and I'm going to be making twice what I was making before. You know, and you're just thinking, look at God. You know, and you just think, I'm glad that I could pray. Might have been somebody else's prayer, but you know, you prayed. You know, uh, it's not that we start boasting, saying, "Yep, if you want answers, come to me. I'll pray." But you should be ready to pray for people. Right. And prayer is pleasing to God. It's communion with God, and we listen to Him 
uh, talk to him. And as we listen, God will give us direction and help us uh, reframe our mind. You know, that's when you see Jesus praying in Gethsemane. He says, not my will. It is possible. Because I'm thinking of what I'm about to go through. But if it's possible, move this cup from me. But if not... Your will be done. And, and so spending time, we know what he did. He ended up going to Calvary. He didn't run. He didn't resist when they came to arrest him. He knew because he had got into a place where uh, God had let him know in that time of prayer, in that time he knew that this is the only answer. And he got his mind right with the plan of God. And so uh, oftentimes see, we, we want to look, when we have a need, we see things that are broke. We see limitations. We see how hard it's going to be. And, and then we can't do anything. We get hopeless. But when we pray and we get in the presence of God, you know, the Scripture says for us not to be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, how does that happen? I'm not saying it, it doesn't maybe not always happen in prayer, but it certainly does happen in prayer. It happens in spiritual atmospheres. If I'm not going to be conformed to the world then that means I'm going to be uh, transformed by something spiritual. And so prayer is a spiritual place, and it's where spiritual things take place. When you hear from God, that's spiritual. When the Holy Ghost talks, that's spiritual. And all of a sudden, uh, the knot starts unraveling. You're like, man, this is such a mess. It's tied up in such a knot. Can't nobody undo it. But spend a little time with God in prayer, and all of a sudden you see... The hand of God just pulling the string that's holding it all together. And you're like, oh, I can see light at the end of the tunnel. I can see what's going on. You're, you're reminded of the goodness of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God. And that God can do anything. And all of a sudden you realize that, hey, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I will not be afraid of man or what man could do unto me because God is my rock and my song and my salvation. And you, and you just, all of a sudden your mind is back into a place where, hey, I can get up and go another day and serve God. And that's why we uh, love the scripture. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, when I fall. I, I will get up. There's a lot of things I'm thinking on the way down. That hurt. This is a mess. What a mistake. I might feel shame and guilt and all kinds. But I'm getting back up. Because while I'm down, these things are getting taken care of. And that's what happens in prayer. When uh, we begin to go through things and, and we start feeling a sense of hopelessness or fear or doubt or discouragement, God begins to alleviate those things as we spend time with Him. That's why we are building up ourselves on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. We are now uh, remembering. And, you know, when we read the scripture that David was so distraught over what happened at Ziklag that he was uh, weeping and the people had wept till they couldn't even weep anymore and people wanted to stone David, David knew. Uh, even as the king and as their leader, uh, we're in a mess. And not only are my things gone, but everybody else I'm over, all their stuff's gone too, and they're blaming me, and it's my fault. And so uh, this is bad, and it says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Uh, prayer. David had asked for an ephod. He wanted something. He said, I know that uh, it ain't going to just be a sword that's going to make this happen. I have got to hear from God. Shall I pursue? Pursue. Will I be victorious? No. Yeah. You go pursue and you're going to get it all back. But it happened after he had encouraged himself in the Lord, remembering. Maybe he even went as far back as that shepherd's field uh, when that, uh, those sheep had been stolen by the bear and the lion. And he delivered that lamb uh, from certain death. And he was able to uh, defeat the enemy. And even as he remembered, maybe he remembered Goliath and how that God had been with him while he only had a sling and a bag full of rocks. And he encouraged himself. Uh, the words he said that this Philistine is going down today. Just like those wild animals that God delivered into my hand. He's no different. And uh, he's thinking about that head that he took off as Goliath lay face down on the ground. So uh, let me tell you that prayer will get your mind back to where you need to be. And it will help you uh, to understand better what you're going through. And it will remind you that God has got you. And so uh, whenever we uh, start seeing in his perspective, 
And God can then uh, use us to speak words uh, to other people that will encourage them. Because if you're defeated, you can't speak victory. You need to know that your mind, if, you, if you're full of fear and full of doubt, and hey, you can't speak encouragement and, and blessing on people. It, it won't come across sincere. It won't come across as true. It won't have anything behind it. People need to know that you believe what you're speaking. And so uh, when we agree with God and speak God's promises and faith, that's when now we start calling down blessings and healing, speaking things into existence. And, and uh, when people know that you're going through something, they can hear you saying, but God's going to come through. And they're like just amazed. Wow. Man, I know what you're going through. I can't believe you're still holding on to God. You know, Job's wife was amazed that Job was still holding on, but he did. He held on, and we need to have that kind of, you know. Uh, but before she came talking to him about that, he'd already dropped down talking, talking about how blessed the Lord was and how good God was and what God would do. And, and so he had not let go of his relationship with God. And so uh, when we start praying like that and and doing like that, we, we enable the fulfillment of God's plan for other people and for specific people. Uh, and then for events and things to be realized, we release things in the Spirit. And so when Jesus prayed in John 17, it was the last prayer he prayed before his betrayal, trial, and crucifixion. And so while he was needing strength for what he was about to go through, he was able to pray blessings uh, minister to his closest followers. He was able to do things that uh, would be beneficial to them. And so whenever you have a prayer life like that, it'll strengthen you so that even when you're going through the midst of it, you don't have an off day. You can still have faith even though you're in the midst of a trial, in the midst of that fiery furnace, so to speak. You're, while you're going through it, you can still pray for people because you know what? Even when we're going through it, people still need help. And uh, I know sometimes we think, man, I just need a day off. And sometimes we need to rest. And we need, but I'm talking about taking a break from God. That don't ever happen. And so we need to be able to even, you know, look at the prophets many times and the different ones through the scripture, the old patriarchs. On their deathbed is when they were praying their greatest blessings on people. As, uh, as when Elijah was taken up to go away, that he drops a mantle that leaves a double portion for Elisha. It's like even in those times when it's, uh, this is the end, they're speaking blessings, pronouncing, prophesying. This is what you're going to do. This is what God's going to do for you. This is how your land's going to be. This is how you, you know, others will see you. And they're just speaking things, and it comes to pass. And that's the way it can work with us. Now, we've got to get going because I got caught up in some of this, but... Um, the reason I think that prayer in John 17 is so significant is because, number one, like we said earlier, if Jesus prays it, then it's going to happen. It's for us. It equips us. And it shows that he is concerned, not just about seeing us being dunked in the water and then being filled with his spirit, but he wants us to be able to live a life of benefit after that. After the new birth experience, he wants us to have a new life. It's more than just new birth. It's new life. Right? Paul clarifies that we are now walking in the newness of life. So it's not just we stay spiritual, newborn, born-again babies for the rest of our life, but now we're in new life. And so five things that God or that Jesus prayed in this last thing, we'll look at them real quick. Uh, Number one, he prayed in John 17 and 15 to keep them from the evil. Now, when we read that, it's, it's easy to think, well, just keep them from generally from e- any evil that is in the world. But when you look at other translations, even if you look back in the Aramaic, it's not just keep them from evil, it's keep them from the evil one. Yeah. Even in the prayer where Jesus, in Matthew 6 and 13, where he said, uh, pray that, uh, to deliver us from evil, uh, in the Aramaic, that is deliver us from the evil one. When Jesus steps into this world, there is a fight going on because uh, there is an enemy. There is a prince of the power of the air. And, and, and he came, when Jesus comes in, he comes to d- diminish and destroy 
the works of the devil. He comes in to destroy the, that kingdom and establish his kingdom. Jesus preached the kingdom of God, and then he advanced it by binding the strong man. The strong man is, is what Mark 3 and 27 references as the enemy, as Satan. And when Jesus would heal sickness, restore sight, cast out demons, then he was destroying the work of Satan. We are called to fight, fight the fight of faith. We have enemies. We fight against uh, principalities, powers, rules of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. We fight these things. There is a spiritual side to this. We cannot uh, believe that we are filled with a spirit if they're not there. The Bible says many spirits have gone out into the land, and we must be ready to fight any of these spirits that come against our families, our people, or anything. And when Jesus prayed, keep them from the evil one, all his devices. I am not ignorant, the scripture says, of his devices. So we can break down strongholds for our family, for our friends, for those in church, and for those that have responded to God's call. We pray for our brothers and sisters because if you think it's just going to be all a bed of roses and a downhill stroll, you're wrong. Remember, we talked about it the other week. Think it not strange, the fiery trial. Well, where does that come from? God's not trying me with a fiery trial. That's not God. God tempts no man with evil. But we have an enemy. And Jesus, he was able to put him off in the wilderness because he answered everything. As it is written, he hang on to the word of God. And so uh, Jesus prayed, keep them from the evil one. We need to pray for people to be protected from the things of this world. Now, we still have, they still have to make their own choices. You can't pray something on them and it force them to do it. Oh, I'm praying they won't, won't go there and won't do that. God's not going to grab them and say, nope, nope, nope. He's not going to put a leash on them, anything like that. He's not going to, you know, program them so they can never, you know. But you pray for them to have victory over these things. and give, But they still have to make the choices. And so uh, I pray, Lord, keep their heart, protect their mind from voices in this world and things like that. Pray those kind of prayers. Pray, Lord, keep them from the evil one. You know, uh, if you ever get a chance and you look it up, you can see some testimonies. Uh, uh, Billy Cole was a great missionary. And uh, it said that he, he talk, talks about and testifies about that he had a spiritual battle that was uh, uh, over or against or with the demonic ruler over Thailand. He said, but he bound him in prayer. We have power over all the power of the enemy. And the, the, the spirit that was controlling that region and causing chaos in that region was bound because of a man filled the Holy Ghost that, that put the name of Jesus on him. And they said the spirit was poured out and they had great revival. Uh, Daniel Scott uh, in Ecuador, same thing. He bound that demonic spirit over Ecuador. And uh, in, both case, in both of those cases, like I said, there were great revivals poured out. Things that happened, uh, people getting the Holy Ghost, people breaking through. There were miracles and signs and wonders that broke forth and began to happen. And so, you know, we read in the scripture, there's, there's things like that. The, how that Daniel prayed, but his prayer was delayed for 21 days because uh, the angel that was coming to give him a word was uh, battling with the prince of Persia and, and things like that. So we know that there is spiritual warfare going on. And, uh, you know, the prophet and his servant come out the door one day and see a great army waiting to get them. The service up. Oh boy, what are we going to do? And the prophet says, "Lord, open his eyes and let him see." And all around the hills, there's chariots and angels and the army of the Lord. And he said, "There's more with us than there'll be against us." And so, if I can see who's for me, if God allows me to see who's for me, I can see who's against me. If there's somebody for me, then there's somebody against me. And God can let you see the one. People have seen angels. I don't know that I have. Maybe I have unaware. But I have seen things. And all I know is that it was spiritual. And uh, I'm thanking God today that we have power in the name of Jesus to help us in these spiritual battles. Jesus taught us how to pray. Spiritual warfare is not to be taken lightly. There were seven, a few guys that decided to go cast out a devil in the book of Acts. 
took it kind of lightly, and it didn't go well with them. Uh, they were defeated because they just, they just tried to repeat something. They, it's not something you can just repeat. Uh, you need, need to have a prayer life if you think you're going to do any spiritual warfare. Uh, it, it's going to be more than just you saying, oh, I belong to a church. You better make sure uh, you're ready or you might end up losing the battle. Uh, the second thing he prayed in John seventeen thirteen was that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Uh, Jesus prayed that they would have joy, but it would be the same joy that he had, uh, his joy fulfilled in themselves. Uh, he was not praying for a fleeting joy, for something that would just pass away. Uh, it's not just, oh, I hope they get a lot of good stuff in their life and get good things for their birthday and they're happy and have joy. He was praying that uh, they would have his joy. His joy would come, as we read in Hebrews 12 and 2, from completing his task here on earth. It would be some, something of substance that uh, he would say, you know, uh, in Hebrews 12 and 2, it says that uh, for the joy that was set before him, he, he endured the cross and despised the shame. So he knew that past this cross, that when he, it was finished, that there was a joy that he had completed what needed to be done. He had shed the blood that would cleanse the world, and, and it meant something. And he said uh, Jesus' entire life and ministry, it exemplified how to live in that kind of joy. He knew to this end was I born, and he finished the task. You know, and even Paul had joy at the end of his life because he said, I have finished my course. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. And, and so he knew that there was a joy besides just getting stuff and pats on the back and, and little bitty blessings that go away here. It was meaning that I've got a joy like Jesus had. And that's what we need to pray for people is that they'll have pronounced that kind of joy that they won't just uh, come in here and get a little, oh, that was a great service, get a little temporary fleeting thing, but that they will begin to live their life for God and make steps for the kingdom. And if there's anything that gives us great joy is knowing I am pleasing my Father. So I want that kind of joy. And that kind of joy is contagious. When you hang around folks that live for God, you walk away encouraged. You do. It's a blessing to you. Uh, third thing he said was uh, John 17 and 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And uh, you know, things that uh, belong to God are precious. In the Smithsonian uh, Museum in Washington, there, there's a pair of glasses from the 19th century there. They're beat up, scratched up, and they don't look any different than any other glasses from the 19th century. What makes them so valuable is that they belong to Abraham Lincoln. That's why they have any value. Other than that, if you just found them on the sidewalk, you'd probably throw them away. I mean anything. It's just an old pair of glasses. But it was who they belonged to, and it's the same way uh, with God. The things that belong to God, ordinary things become valuable. We weren't of very much value till God got a hold of us because we were redeemed with the precious blood of God. And, and when we follow him, we become a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We become something special to him. And so he said, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. That new birth experience, uh, as 1 Corinthians 6 and 11 tells us, that uh, we are sanctified by that new birth experience. We are born again by the word of God. And so the word sanctifies us, makes us special. You know, it takes ordinary things and makes them valuable. At the tabernacle in the wilderness, they had instruments, shovels, flesh hooks. That wasn't the only place that had shovels and flesh hooks. But the flesh hooks and shovels that had been dedicated to God's service were special. You didn't take that flesh hook out and, and use it for your own thing. You didn't take those shovels out and dig your own hole somewhere. That wasn't what it was for. These things had been dedicated and consecrated for the work of the tabernacle, and now they were valuable. They, were, they meant something. They, were, they weren't just regular anymore. You're just not that same person anymore after God gets old to your life. So we need to pray, God, sanctify people. Sanctify them. In other words, let them understand how valuable they are to God and then live their life, keep themselves. That will help People keep themselves from the things of this world if you realize the value that you are to God. Now, he said in the fourth thing was that they may all be one. I'm fixing to rush through because I'm out of time. Uh, two ways that we know that Jesus is one. I and my Father are one. We know that he was God manifest in the flesh. He was one that way. The other way was that Jesus was in perfect sync with God's perfect plan. 
Now, Christ lives in us, the hope of glory. But I am not God manifest in the flesh. But God is living inside of me. The sort of unity that God wants us to have is the oneness born of listening to and living in the Spirit. When we live by God's Word, we are in sync with God and what He wants us to do. When we live a consecrated life, uh, that's when true oneness can rightly result. You are never more uh, one with God than when you are obeying His Word. When we are living our life consecrated, separated unto Him. So God is our source. God is in Him we live, move, and have our being, as one man said. So uh, we need to remember, if we want to be one with God... The best way to do that is to live by his word because in the beginning was the word and the word was God. You can't, you'll never be more like God than when you are living by his word. And so uh, that helps us to uh, help other people learn how to, if they see you following in the word, they're going to follow in the word. And we'll skip down right quick uh, uh, to the fifth thing that Jesus prayed. Honey, you can come on to the music. Uh, he prayed in John 17 and 23 to love them as you have loved me. He wants that uh, people to experience the love of God from the Lord, of course, but they also need to experience it from us. Psychologists say that if children experience consistent and loving care for the first two years of their lives, that it makes a profound difference for the rest of their lives. They feel safe, they have basic trust. Parents who love and care for their children in this way are acting like God. God's love for the world and the church is not conditional. We love our kids even when they break things and do things and color things and all kind of stuff. We, we love them anyway. Uh, he does not love us because we're perfect. Indeed, he loved us while we were yet sinners. He loves us in this way because that's who he is. And we are supposed to be the same way. Sometimes as Christians, we struggle to receive God's forgiveness for our failures. Because we forget about the grace of God. We think that God's grace was a one-time thing that we experienced at the altar. And that now it doesn't work for us anymore. But grace, mercy, compassion, all that's new every day. And so we need His grace more than once. We need it continually. Uh, so once we are, are saved, it says the grace of God teaches us how to live. I need His grace every day. I need to know how to do the things I need to do. And so... Uh, it's that love of God, that absolute love of God that helps us. But not only us, but anybody else we talk to. We tell them that God loves you. How many times is that a leading statement in your prayer for somebody? I want you to know that God loves you. Because we want them to know that. But then I want you to know I love you just like God does. I, 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 I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to be there for you. And that is something that Jesus desired. When he said that uh, I need you to love one another. He told his disciples. And when you love one another, this is how... The world, he says, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples. All men will know it. It'll be apparent when we love one another. Jesus put that in there. I'm telling you, they, they can't get around. If you'll love each other, people will know you're my disciples. They'll know that. And so, uh, let's stand together. Uh, this lesson was a little longer than, than normal, and I'm going to have to break on down in there. As Christians, and our life can't be reduced to a code of ethics, a religion, or simply just a good way to live. But it's a life that's built on relationship. Christianity is a relationship with God. And because this relationship is so valuable, the true Christian life is uh, costly. You know, it costs you something to live for God. Jesus instructed us, warned us, you better count the cost because it's going to take something. You're going to have to be ready to give. I'm not just talking about money. But, when, uh, but if we're going to pray blessings like Jesus prayed, then we need to live our life like Jesus lived. And Jesus gave. He gave it all. For the power of Jesus' prayer was born from the life poured out to God's purpose. Everything that he was able to do, he did it because he was walking in the way God wanted him to walk. And so if we're going to experience the same kind of results with our prayers for others, we can't simply pray that prayer and then not live the life. The reason Jesus' prayer worked and why we're here today is because he lived the life. To this end was I born.
Well, most of us need to adopt it, the saying for ourselves after we were baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Unto this end was I born again. Because now that I've been born again, my life is not my own. I'm a servant of the high God, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and so I've got a purpose. And I'm going to pray for people. And I'm going to pray, not just pray for healing. I'm going to pray for blessing. I'm going to pray for them to live. Because, hey, what if they get healed but then lose out with God? They might get healed, but what if nobody's praying for their protection? Do we want them healed so they can just go back to the world or, or go back and do things they shouldn't do? Or, or do we want them healed and successful for God? Let's lift our hands together this morning and ask God to equip us to pray the kind of prayers he prayed. Give us wisdom to know how to pray the prayers he prayed. Precious Jesus, we love you and thank you. Thank you for the prayers you've prayed for us thousands of years later. Thank you, Lord, that they worked. And God, that you've given us the ability. And Lord, we're more than just empty instruments in the church. But Lord, we have power in your name. Power through the Holy Ghost. We have faith in you today, Lord. We can pray powerful, effective prayers for our brothers and sisters. And we can see people live victoriously and and have the love of God in their life and be effective in this world as we pray for them. I know that we've got to take care of ourselves, Lord, but I believe we ought to look out for one another. And Lord, we're going to start praying for one another, believing for one another, and we're going to see results for one another. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. I'm glad that people have prayed for me. I'm glad that people have prayed for my ministry. Nothing like encourages me than just get a random text early in the morning sometimes, be a pastor friend from another state sometimes. I want you to know I woke up with you on my mind. I'm praying for you today. Don't tell me what he's praying, just praying for me. I receive whatever you're praying in the name of the Lord. Let it happen. Let it work. Do that. Pray for somebody. And if you feel led of the Lord, sometimes just let them know, hey, I'm praying for you this morning. You never know how to pick somebody up. Change their day. All right. Thank you for being in uh, discipleship class this morning. Let's find a place to pray before the next service. And let's look for God to do some great things. God bless you.